Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Topical Reflections on Music. Uh, we had a long pause uh, due to the pandemic and uh, also finding suitable uh, subjects and interview partners has not been easy recently. Thank you for your patience to uh, all of you who have been listening. Today I will present to you uh, my latest published article uh, Recognizing Musical Instruments, Partial and Complete Excavation Finds and Depictions on Thracian Cultural Objects. This will be interesting for those of you who are interested in uh, uh, ancient history, musical history, archaeology, and uh, generally solving ancient mysteries. As an offspring of two historians, I became early on a frequent visitor to the Bulgarian National Museum of History and the Bulgarian National Museum of Archaeology, where I, but a budding child musician, encountered my first clear evidence of scientific error, three broken flutes clearly mislabeled as folding bones. I called on my mother, incensed by the wrong description and excited by my find. She took me seriously, called her colleagues, and the mistake was eventually fixed. It was an easy error to spot. The flutes were almost complete, with extant tubes and even finger holes. But how could such an obvious mistake happen? In the year 2002, my father, Professor Alexander Fall, published an article bearing the title Everyone Sees What They Know, paraphrasing Goethe implying that a person's upbringing, culture, education, and experience influence how they see and interpret an occurrence or an object. The archaeologists who are working on a site may not necessarily possess the specialized education necessary to recognize a musical instrument that might be slightly obtuse, obscure, pardon, incomplete, broken, or all three. And uh, even if a musical instrument be classified as such, the lack of knowledge of how sound, performance, and acoustics function may lead to the misclassification of the instruments or the musicians' roles. Interdisciplinary teams become crucial as reconstruction efforts necessitate in-depth research and analysis of frequently incomplete data. Where three-dimensional archaeological finds offer clear paths of possible, albeit sometimes partial, physical reconstruction, depictions of instruments call not only on representing tangible objects, but also on traditions of iconography and style. In Visualizing Music, Dr. Bandrick says, Ancient artists constantly sought a balance between reality and representation in crafting an image. This was as true with musical iconography as any other theme. Artists used musical practices and traditions with which they were familiar as a starting point, then adapted what they knew in order to produce a pleasing composition or express a certain message. Details can appear accurate, suggesting that artists were knowledgeable about instrument construction and the occasions on which certain instruments might be played or at least that they followed established visual conventions. Often iconography meshes well 
with what can be gleaned from textual sources and archaeological evidence. Artists were not, however, aiming for accuracy in a documentary sense, a fine distinction that requires acknowledgement. As observed, musical images throughout history are records of ideas associated with musical performance, as much as their records of music-making activities. Musical instrument forms and techniques are very conservative, and similar instruments have been invented independently by different cultures around the world. The flute is frequently given as the prime example in music classes, occurring in the depths of prehistoric times and consisting from nothing but a hollow tube with a gradually increasing number of holes. Musical instruments in and of ancient Thrace appear on frescoes and ritual sets in painted or relief form. Music has played an important ritual and social role in ancient Thrace, and the depictions of musical instruments allow us to deduce not only their size, but to an extent their timbre and their role in the social situation depicted. One of the most famous images of ancient Thrace are the trumpets in the Kazanilak tomb, dated the end of 4th century BC. In my article, the painted trumpets in the Kazanilak tomb, parallels with Tutankhamun's trumpets, instrumental and performance hypotheses, I discuss in detail their likely size of around 60 centimeters, the very likely presence of detachable mouthpieces made of degradable materials, and compare the trumpets to the very similar instruments found in Tutankhamun's tomb. The female performers may be unusual in many situations, but their presence in an official role, in this case a funeral feast, is not unheard of. For example, in Delos, the Auletrites, recruited annually for ritual purposes, were women. Any straight instrument made of metal or alloy and held with one hand can be called a trumpet, but so-called folk trumpets are made from wood even until the present day. Brass instruments held with two hands will more accurately be called tubas. Though reconstructions of the Kazanlung tomb trumpets have not yet been made, Tutankhamun's original trumpets, who provide such an excellent basis for comparison, have been played on and recorded and can still be heard on BBC Radio 4. The Amphora Riton from the Panagurishte treasure in the 4th century BC depicts another instrument held by one hand. The instrumentalist is turned to his left and holds a relatively small instrument with his right hand only. While it is important to remember Bundrich's caution against taking depictions too literally, the artist depicted an important detail that renders the instrument quite unique. The thumb and the index finger are located on the same side of the instrument's body and are holding what resembles an elevated forward and backward sliding shifting valve. The quality of production of the Amphora Riton excludes the possibility of the artist not being able to depict the hand from the dorsal side of the hand, especially since such a representation appears on the very same object. You can see the left hand of the second human figure from the left. 
By combining depictions and reliefs of musical instruments with other historical records, such as written sources, one can reach a number of cross-verified conclusions, as, as Xantulis demonstrates in his article The Southings in Greek Antiquity, which examines the likely sound of the instrument in great detail. We can deduce a number of things from the Panagurishti treasure instrument depiction alone. The instrument is sufficiently light to be held with one hand. Therefore, it cannot be made of very heavy metal, alloy or wood. It is likely a thin tube to be allowed to be held between the index and the middle fingers of the hand. 2. It is around 40 centimeters long, shorter than an outstretched hand. 3. It resembles a southing and is most likely a similar instrument. 4. The instrument has an addition attached to the bell. One can see the conical shape prolonged by a cylinder that clearly looks thicker than the main body of the instrument. The form is too specific to be an accident. 4a. The cylindrical addition may be a mute, which will modify the timbre, or 4b. An extender, which will result in a lower pitch. Extenders, extra pieces of tube, are used to the present day to modify the transposition of a brass instrument. 5. The instrument has one valve, which will also modify the pitch, but less so than the extender. The valve has to be able to move easily, considering it is held with only two fingers. 6. The size of the instrument is small, and therefore it will play higher notes on the overtone scale. It may be expected to produce a major triad, and I choose this option as an example, but the pitches may be located higher on the overtone scale as well. But by sliding the valve, the instrument will produce an adjacent major triad, which will ultimately give the player a total of six pitches. Using the pitch G simply as an example, here is an illustration of what would be the available pitch material. Valve in position 1 would be Sol Si Re, valve in position 2 will be La Do Dies Mi, so the six available pitches would be Sol La Si Do Dies Re Mi. The interval sequence with small sense variations can actually be found in a single overtone scale, but whose fundamental node would be situated an octave lower than the big octave G. Uh, G being used only as an example, of course. This means that the existence of the valve halves the size of the instrument, which would otherwise have measured at least 80 centimeters, it wouldn't have been playable with one hand. The fundamental would have been contraoctave G, also known as uh, 1G. The higher partials would not even have been possible to the player. However, exerting a big effort while playing was not always seen as something to be avoided during the antiquity, with salpings playing an Olympic sport from 396 BC onwards, and forcefulness presumed as one of the criteria for the competitors. The valve allows the player to access those pitches all while avoiding the need to adjust the tuning with his or her mouth until up to 49 cents for the higher partials. The valve permits the instrumentalist to play more than one third in just intonation. 
The physics of the instrument depicted on the amphora riton supports my previously published theory that the Thracian mode is based on just intonation. Uh, the following example shows what the available pitches would have looked like if the instrument did not have a valve and was twice as long. The example comes from the calculating website designed by Michael Norris. The G above middle C would have been the eighth partial. This is the seventh overtone above the fundamental. Even smaller instruments depicted on a Thracian artifact are the two double alloy from the Borovo treasure played by a female musician, a Thracian bacante, during a Mayanad procession. The aulos, as such, has been extensively documented and researched, and its physics and note production are not necessarily to be addressed right now. The unknown maker of the Borovo treasure certainly knew of the instrument and depicted a known ritual setting. We have a male and a female performing simultaneously, another representation of women in a former role within a rite. Just like with trumpets, reed instruments such as the aulos have been invented across the world. Occasional curious interpretations of the double aulos appear, such as Ulierio Rostas' quote of Stelios Psarodakis, who surmises that because no double alloy have been found in excavations, none existed. And yet the representations persist, and a simple search on YouTube shows that the instrument, in its double form, has survived to the present day. One has been discovered in Egypt, reconstructed and performed by the Aulus Collective. Another recent example shows the instrument known as the Hellenistic Aulus, located in the Ephesus Museum in Vienna, played by Dr. Hegel. Reconstructions have also been done of antique tympanos, whose production has not changed significantly since the ancient times. So contrary to the issue of detachable mouthpieces described above, the degradation of skins and ropes would be more easily understood by non-specialists. Reconstructions of ancient instruments help us hear the sound of antiquity and approach the mindset and the aesthetic of our ancestors and allow us to perfect not only our understanding of their world, but also improve and renew on our contemporary instrument building. As most archaeologists and historians do not possess the expertise of professional musicians, I wish to conclude with a partial checklist that will facilitate the work on excavations and classifications with respect on recognizing and naming musical instruments. 1. Assuming an object is obviously well preserved from a bone, for example, does it produce a clear pitch by blowing or hitting it with a mallet? If so, it is much more likely than not that it be a musical instrument. Two. Is the object ergonomically easy to hold and or handle? A performer should be able to easily manipulate the instrument. 3. Does the object resemble any obvious musical instruments from the same era regardless of geographic origin? Verify some encyclopedias. Many similar instruments, like timpani, were invented in different parts of the world around the same time. 
4. Does the object resemble musical instruments from today? It may be an older version of an instrument that still exists. Flutes and trumpets provide us with easy example. Are you looking at well-preserved part of an incomplete object? Imagine the remainder of a broken object. 5a. A hollow tube is likely to have been a flute. 5b. A metal tube can always be presumed a partially preserved trumpet if the weight and shape make it feasible for it to be held. 5c. A well-shaped hollow object could be the resonating body of a tympano. 5d. A well-carved wooden skeleton could have been a harp. 6. Would perishable materials have been attached to the object? Not everyone survives, sorry, not everything survives through the ages. Animal skins used for percussion instruments and wooden mouthpieces will disintegrate with time. We will never find harp strings in excavations. 7. Are you looking at an animal part or parts with holes or cuts that you cannot explain? Musical instruments do not always survive the century's hole. Animal skins and wood disintegrate. If a tortoise shell has holes in it, it may have been a liar. When you see inexplicable holes in any potentially resonating body, always try to imagine tying strings between the holes. Strings used to be made of pigs' intestines and not metal, and some are still made of intestines today. 8. Stone is sometimes forgotten as a feasible material for making instruments. A carefully smooth or continuously scratched stone block or blocks can easily be part of a lithophone, one of those percussion instruments that have existed across the world in many cultures, and not just a construction stone. 9. If you're looking at a painted object, look closely on how the person holding the object is manipulating it and how the other painted figures interact. If they are dancing, for example, this is a very clear sign that the person holding the object is a performer playing an instrument. Ask your musician friends, this is number 10. Show them a picture and, if possible, let them touch the find or finds. As cited above, everyone sees what they know. Specialist training allows us to see and deduce much more than a non-specialist can. A musician is more likely to recognize a partially preserved and or an obscure instrument than a non-musician. So this is it, uh, dear friends. Uh, this, these were my reflections and uh, research on ancient instruments in the context of uh, uh, Thrace, the Thracian culture. I shall put a, a link to the article in the description of this episode. I thank you very much to uh, continue listening to Topical Reflections on Music. I have uh, a couple of uh, new interviews in the works and I hope to be back with uh, more episodes shortly. As you know, I do this for fun uh, with my friends and colleagues whom I find extremely interesting uh, um, dialogue partners. So I do not release episodes um, in any set time frame or schedule, uh, simply when the opportunity presents itself. With uh, the second uh, confinement here in Quebec, it has been a bit more difficult, 
but uh, I hope uh, things go back to normal for everyone soon. As the new saying goes, uh, stay positive and keep testing negative. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.